a little while ago, the navigators uh, were, were contemplating uh, where to go to in terms of um, preaching series, sermon series, message topics. And uh, we landed at a space of, of needing, uh, wanting, believing that God wants us to look at the area of relationships. Now, relationships are, are really, uh, as I went away and sort of reflected on it and I, I committed to sort of putting some notes together in that space, to me it feels a bit like a big fluffy white cloud. It's like the word love. It's something that it sort of changes shape. It's, it's big and, you know, it's significant, but you can't actually grab onto. And it was sort of, yeah, it's one of those things that, that you go, okay, God, I get a relationship with you is significant. A relationship with those that you've put around us is significant. And it all leads to a place of, of a desire to, to connect with people that don't know you, that are far from you, so that they might be able to have a relationship with you and start that process again. And, and it's a really significant space but it's sort of sort of fluffy it's sort of nothing it's kind of like love and you and and you 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 know someone comes and challenges Jesus and says what's the most most important commandment and his response is to love the Lord your God with all your heart mind soul and strength the second is like it to love your neighbor as yourself and sometimes that too you go nice I get it but where's the tangible stuff where's the the stuff to to actually sink your teeth into to actually respond to in that space and today I'm going to look at something that um, I really felt God gave in response to that Um, I don't know how far we're going to get it's probably going to extend over a few weeks um, and and I'm just going to give you the 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 picture the, the snapshot today because in actuality God has not just called us to be in relationship and to love. He's actually demonstrated and modeled what that looks like. He doesn't just give an instruction and say, here, go and do that. He actually first, before he gave that instruction, he actually demonstrated what it looks like. And that is very tangible. That's very practical. That's very not fluffy at all. And so there were four things that really stood out to me. They're not the only four things he's done, but they're four um, very significant areas in which he has demonstrated what relationship looks like. And so this morning, I'm actually going to look at how God demonstrated it. And then in coming weeks, we'll come back to and look at what that means for us in our relationships. But I think it's, it's just, it really is really exciting because when you start to unpack these things, you start to realize that relationships aren't a fluffy white cloud. There's something that can be really hard and challenging. And, and, and I'm, I'm going to look at four types of relationships. Firstly, our relationship with God and, and what that's like. And obviously, that's two ways. The second one is our relationship with those around us, our church, our marriages, our kids, our peers, our activate groups, um, our sporting clubs, those that we know. Then the third one is those that we don't know. Maybe they might be schoolmates. They might be someone that we buy our fish and chips off. They're they're people that God loves dearly. And for me, that's an area that this whole thing, the other two are ones we work on long term and and our relationships with with, uh, 
the world is, is not, uh, it is long term, but I guess it's an area that we often think as, you know, plan B or plan C, um, and I actually want to bring it up into part of plan A, so that it's not something that we may, may do one day, but it's something just like our relationship with God, and just like my relationship with Tan, my relationship with those who are far from God is just as important and significant. Um, and he loves that as much. So that's an area that we're probably going to invest a bit of extra effort into. But the fourth one is our relationship with ourselves. And that's one that you kind of go, hang on, what's that look like? But when you look at the four areas that I talk about today and what God demonstrates, they all actually also apply to how we see ourselves and relate to ourselves. So we're not going to ignore that. That's going to be in there too, without us navel-gazing too much, if that makes sense. Okay, four things. The first one is proximity. Now, proximity is about how close something is. And it's, again, it it's, can be a little bit of a fluffy word, but I'll give you a really simple example. Adam and Eve went away and did something God asked them not to do. What was their first response to that? They hid. What was God's first response to them? Where are you? Where are you? So instantly... We see proximity in demonstration. We see a broken element of the relationship. The human side of it was, oh crap, to be honest. And let's hide. Let's, let's hide from God because the relationship is fragmented. And God's response is, where are you? Let me step towards you. Instantly, you can see it may not have been a, a physical proximity, it could have been, but it was a proximity and a desire to be close, to, to share, to, to be intimate. And again and again, God does this through Scripture consistently. You see, with Moses, he comes to him and meets him in a burning bush. And Moses goes, ah, how am I going to explain this closeness that you want to have with the Israelite people? And and he, he does a bunch of things. He sets up a temple model to so, kind of demonstrate his presence. And then he says, no, we're going to do more. We're going to have pillars of fire and smoke to show that I'm, I'm close. I'm not a God that's distant. I'm actually, I'm going to lead you. And that, that's going to demonstrate how close I am to you. The Israelites, he sent angels to come and, and, and uh, be in battle with them as they stepped out. Time and time again, these are just tiny little bits. Every single part of Scripture shows how significant God values proximity being close. But the most two profound things that he does in Scripture, they're obvious, and a lot of this stuff is no-brainer stuff. But if we want to eat the good stuff, if we want to deal with the important things, then we've got to acknowledge the basic things that are really important. He sent Jesus and one of Jesus' names, and each of these four points actually reflect a name that Jesus is given. One of Jesus' names is Emmanuel, which means God with us. And in Jewish culture, a name is just not what mum and dad felt like was a cool name on the day you were born. A name actually represents your identity and who you are. So for Jesus to have the name Emmanuel represents who he is. He is God with us. But then Jesus actually went further and said, okay, that's a great demonstration that God wants to be with us. But even how he lived, he lived in a way that was present with people in proximity. 
it's funny because a lot of people chase Jesus. He could have just set up shop in Jerusalem. It would have been really easy. But to model what proximity looks like, he went out. He went out to where the people were, to the back blocks of, of the whole of Judea. and uh, like he was, he was out and about. And they actually chased him out there. And he went further than that. And he actually got close to losers. He actually went, I'm not just going to go out into the, the back blocks of, of the region, the country towns, preaching about the good news of, of, of God's kingdom. He actually said, you know what? You're a despised tax collector. I'm going to come into your home. I'm going to actually meet you in your place. Your dirty, despicable, disgusting, despised by the community house. I'm going to come and meet you there. It's phenomenal, this idea of proximity, of actually going meeting someone in a relationship in their space is profound. And this is what God does. Then when it came to the end of Jesus' ministry, so that was one of the two most profound things to demonstrate this idea of being close. The second one, Jesus said in John 14, 16, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you. And, do you know what he says next? Be with you forever. Be with you forever. So Jesus came to earth, God among his people, and then said, I've got to go back to the Father. But if you think I'm withdrawing, if you think I'm going to be distant from you, you have misunderstood the Father's heart. Because I'm going to send an advocate, the Holy Spirit, who will be with you forever. It was fascinating. I was listening to a, um, a message on praying and the encouragement was to pray like Daniel prayed. Daniel set aside three times a day to pray. And it was a really good message and it was really encouraging people to get into prayer. But something didn't quite sit right with me. Something was a little bit uncomfortable. and I, was, I didn't think about it at the time, but afterwards I was like, what's the go there? Why was I a little bit uncomfortable about this praying three times a day? And I realized that it's actually an Old Testament way of thinking about God. Because you have to pray to a distant God. You have to pray to a God that's at the temple, that his presence is, is confined. And yet the New Testament concept of God, after Jesus returned and said, Father, send the Spirit, is actually a God that is intimately with us, that the proximity has dropped right down. And I was having a conversation with someone the other day, just a, a thought process that flowed, and you go, well, it's kind of like you're sitting in the car next to you. It's even closer than that. But if, even if we should look at that picture, you go, so sometimes it's not a really profound conversation. Hey, check out that tree like Steve had. Look at the tree. Isn't that cool? Then there might be a little bit of time silence. Doesn't mean he's disappeared. Doesn't mean that God's distant. You're just paying attention to the road. That's okay. Then maybe the Holy Spirit might say, hey, wow, here's something interesting. Like, wow, that's really cool. Or you, do you know what I mean? Like it's actually an intimacy and a, and a proximity that is constant. I will be with you forever. And this sense of proximity is something that consistently God says time and time again, this is what relationship looks like. Let me show you. Let me show you and demonstrate it and let you uh, reap the benefit of the fact that I think being close is important. The second one is value. 
the sense of value. Now, one of the names that Jesus has is Messiah. And Messiah means the anointed one, the one that's been set apart. So not only does God want to come close to us, but he actually sent the anointed one to be close to us because he sent the valuable one to those that he valued. And so there's this sense of value that he places on his creation that's really profound in knowing them, in believing in their potential. Throughout Scripture, now this is debatable, there's a number of covenants that are made. There are a number of of covenants, commitments that God makes to people and some of them to all mankind. Now these are God's commitment because he values the relationship. And the debatable part is how many there are. So you can look through Scripture and they say probably between 10 and 12, um, depending on what you call a covenant. But the point of the matter is, Consistently through Scripture, God makes promises to people because He values them. He has significance in them. It says in Romans 5.8, But God demonstrated His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It was worth, it, it, there was a value in what He was dying for. The, the relationship was worth fighting for. And He valued that which He created. The third one, I went to a creative worship workshop and uh, a friend to, to a number of people here um, started sharing about uh, the, the theme for the evening. And he started by saying, our God is a pathetic God. The God that we worship is pathetic. And obviously he was trying to get a bit of attention Um, And by that stage, he had our attention. And he started to unpack this idea. Because pathetic comes from a Greek word, pathos, which means to care, to have feeling. And it's where we get the word empathy from. And the third point I want to make is empathy, which is the opposite of apathy, not caring. Now, the reason we have the word pathetic is because the Greeks thought caring was powerless. You are weak if you care. And no Greek god has empathy. Because if you have empathy, then you don't have power. Now the true almighty God demonstrated something completely the opposite to that. He is a pathetic God. Because unlike heartless stone idols... He is actually a God who has empathy, which means he genuinely cares. He genuinely cares. And again, time and time again, we see this idea of God's heart for people. It's amazing to see, and I'm sure you've had people in your lives who've gone borderline, maybe even over the borderline, I just do not care anymore. They've burnt their bridges way too many times. They've stuffed it up too many times. I just cannot invest in this anymore. And yet through Scripture consistently, time and time again, we laugh at the Israelite people, but we're not that much different to them. They wander away from God. They do it their own way. They get proud and arrogant and cocky. And and they basically spit in his face. And then they reap the consequences of that, of what a godless life is like. And they cry out, 
God, come and save us. We're not spinning in your face anymore. And time and time again, he comes back. Time and time again, he returns. He has a real heart against injustice. He has a heart for justice, for where people are oppressed or treated in a way where someone's power is oppressing someone else. It says in Psalm 89, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. And then next, steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. This relationship is one of actually caring about what's going on. He says in Exodus 3, 7, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I am concerned about their suffering. This is a God unlike any other idea of God in that he actually cares, genuinely cares in this relationship. I love uh, Psalm 40 for two reasons. One, because um, you two did a song about it. And, uh, and secondly, because it's actually a really cool psalm. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. Like we, we take that for granted. But the almighty God of the universe turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. This is not a God who's waving his fist at people. This is a God that in his relationship continually demonstrates and models what it means to show empathy, compassion, love. What do you reckon the word might mean be for Jesus that reflects empathy? We just sang. It's, it's the name of the last song. I love... Yeah, there we go. Saviour. Saviour. The one who saves the rescuer, the redeemer, the one that doesn't leave people where they deserve to be, doesn't leave people in their own mess, but actually out of compassion, out of empathy says, I'm going to come and save you. Jesus' name is Savior because he reflects God's heart. And the fourth one could have any number, number of names, but I've called it gift. It's a really simple concept that we find really hard. It's things that we attach the word grace to, something given to someone that they don't deserve. We attach mercy to, something not given to someone that they did deserve. It's what we attach the word sacrifice to. The idea that a gift has been given, something out of a place of generosity that wasn't because it was out of duty or because it was out of obligation, it was out of a place of love that something was given. And again, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross is a profound, a profound way of demonstrating what it is to give an undeserved gift. What do you reckon God, Jesus' name is for this one? Go on, go on, get those brain cells working. Redeemer, that's probably more attached to the Savior, but yeah, it's not bad. Friend, he's the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God, the sacrifice, the sacrifice that was given, the unblemished lamb given as a sacrifice. Four simple words. What are they? Test time. 
Proximity. Go on, someone other than Cal. Value. Empathy. Gift. Four really simple words. But four words that have been demonstrated without reservation. Demonstrated without uh, limitation. Four simple words that reflect what relationship looks like to God. Four things, and they're not the only four things. I don't want to pretend that, that they're four things, but they're four very profound things that we need to first receive before we can understand how it is to give. We've got to understand that God, our loving Father, that Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit eagerly desire to be close eagerly desire to be close and even when we run even when we hide even when we pretend he's not there he still eagerly desires to be close consistently that is the, the the reflection of value on mankind the value on the things on the people that we don't even value the value on the losers on the that those that have stuffed up their life and deserve what they get, he places value and he pulls them out of what the world calls them and says, I'm going to call you a son or daughter. I'm going to, I'm going to adopt you into my family because I think you are so significant to me. Consistently, without fail. That is what he says a relationship looks like and that's what he models. He cares. He genuinely cares. We've all had times where where we, we go, I don't know God. My circumstance is really tough. My, my situation is, is really hard. You're not on your own. This isn't the only psalm that, uh, that David wrote. Psalm 40 wasn't his only psalm. He talks about how things are tough. But I can convince you, hopefully I can convince you, but I can assure you that God genuinely cares. And that's what his relationship with you looks like. He is investing in that idea that he that he ab- absolutely and unequivocally loves you and reflects that in his empathy for you and then the fourth one is the idea of gift that he gives and he gives and he gives and he keeps giving now today i'm going to actually stop there i think that's probably enough to just sort of give you a, some context i don't want to finish there this is just a pause I was potentially going to start unpacking um, what um, proximity looks like for us. But I think it's too important for us to skip over the fact that we have had this modelled and demonstrated to us and to actually acknowledge that. I don't want to just say it's a nice example, let's move on, because it is a profound example that's living and active and continuing today. And we cannot understand what relationship with with anyone else well if we don't understand what god first did for us everything else is shallow and weak in comparison and our efforts and our labor come from a a twisted place if we don't understand first what god's done for us so i'm just going to pray lord i thank you so much i thank you so much that i can pray to you right now because of the way you've created our relationship. We can sit here right now and understand something of your love for us because of the way you initiated this. 
Lord, this is not our doing. This is not our creation. And Lord, I thank you and praise you that we can commune with you right now. I thank you and praise you for the intimacy of your Holy Spirit right now. Your presence, your proximity right now. Lord, I thank you as we've been shared today for the the community around us that remind us of your love. But Father, I pray that you will continue and right now you'll, you'll bring to mind, you'll arrest our thoughts, Lord God, with an understanding of what it means to be loved by the Father. What it means to be in relationship with you. Lord, for those that might be struggling with that, that might feel that you're distant, that they have no value in your eyes, that you do not understand or care, or that they're not, they haven't received the amazing gifts that you've poured out. Father, I pray for a revelation today. I pray for a revelation by your Holy Spirit that confirms and affirms what it is that you have established from the beginning of time and want to continue to establish in our lives. And for those that do get it, Lord, I just pray that you will just bring excitement and confidence in that relationship, that it won't be something that's distant or behind the scenes, Lord, but it's something that we acknowledge with our lips, with our lives, with everything that we worship with, Lord God, that we can respond to you saying you love us with, we know, we know, we are convinced and we love you too. Lord, we just want to thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.